Uh, by the way, I have about a 40-minute message. I'm going to preach it in 30 minutes, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you come, and Lord, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. I ask you to bring things down into people's hearts that I could never do. Let the word make a difference in people's lives. Father, I pray that people will be uplifted, that their lives will be transformed and changed by your power. I give you the glory today. I thank you, Lord. You're going to help me in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen? You know what? We're talking this morning about moving from super rational to supernatural. Now, what does that mean? I'm, this is not a message on becoming irrational. I'm not saying that. But sometimes our rational mind can function in such a way that it actually cuts us off from being able to really flow with God. You know, when I was in seminary, I remember we had some professors who really would teach things that were very powerful, but there were other professors who came from such a rational point of view that they would take out anything supernatural. I remember the, my Old Testament professor saying that it really wasn't the Red Sea that opened up so that the children of Israel could walk through it. It was actually the Reed Sea, and it was only about three to four inches deep. The only thing he couldn't explain was how Pharaoh's army was drowned in three to four inches of water. Amen. And I, you know, after going through drug addiction and struggles and broken relationships, I'll tell you, I needed a supernatural God. I didn't need a God that was a rational God, a God that I could explain so easily. And so I needed a supernatural God. And, and you know, I, I want to just tell you, I'm here to tell you today that we have a supernatural God, and he's an amazing father. And he wants to flow through us. We live in a dark world. This is a fallen planet. And so, you know, one day we'll be in heaven. That's great. But in the meantime, we're here, and we're here to make a difference. And the reason we can't make a difference is because Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of us. So uh, I want to jump right in. And so the question is, how can we transition? How can we transition from super rational to supernatural? Well, I, I want to tell you, it's gonna, I'm going to talk about three important areas that it takes. The first one is moving from pride to what's the opposite of pride? Humility. Humility. Now, I'm not talking about, there's a good kind of pride. You know, if your son wins a wrestling tournament, uh, you're excited about that, and you're proud of them. If, if your daughter uh, wins a spelling bee, you know, you're proud of her. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pride defined as consumed with self, where you're so focused on yourself, it becomes pride in the sense of, and it can be a form of worry. It can be a form of anxiety. It can be anything that really just so consumes you with yourself that it really pulls you away from God, pulls you away from others, and isolates you. Pride is a horrible thing, but the problem is we can't see pride. We can't see the things, and, and sometimes, you know, if you're around somebody who's really full of themselves, it's kind of hard to be around them, you know, because, but, and we can't see it when we're proud, but there's times in our life when we have that pride that we can't see. So I'm always praying, Lord, show me. I know there's times when I've been proud, and, and, and I go, God, and it's horrible. When you see it, you go, ugh, I hate that. Now, humility, on the other hand, is a great thing. But humility, what it is, the definition, is total dependence on God. You know, it doesn't mean I kick the dirt and pretend that I'm, you know, it's not self-abasement, but it's, it's, I'm not focused on me. I'm focused on him, and his love helps me also to focus on others. And that humility is so important. And so I just, want to, I just want to encourage you that, you know, it's amazing when you look at humility. When God chose two people to bring his son from heaven down into this earth, he picked two people who were incredibly humble. Joseph, 
He was a carpenter. He wasn't very, he didn't have much money. He was, he was, he was very poor. Mary was a teenager. Now, actually, theologians believe she was somewhere between the age of 13 and 19. Many believe they would put her right at 16 years old. So Mary was this young girl. She was poor. She was a, she was a woman, and women were not highly elevated at that, you know, at that time in the, in the Jewish culture. And, uh, in fact, they actually had a prayer where men would pray, thank God I'm not a woman. I mean, that's a little sick. But anyway, uh, but I'm just telling you, that's the way the culture was. So the fact that God would use these two incredibly humble people to change the world because Jesus Christ would be born through the Virgin Mary. And as a result, the world would be changed. Your life, my life, and the world would be changed because of Jesus Christ and because of them. Now, let me just talk a little bit about pride. You know, you've probably been around people that are proud. They're just filled with themselves and especially religious pride. I think religious pride is one of the worst. And I know when I'm around people that are really religiously proud, I feel like, gee, I'm not praying enough. I'm not, you know, reading my Bible enough. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm saying words that shouldn't slip out of my mouth that sometimes do. And my, you know, my vocabulary, it's not enough Christianese for them. And, and so I feel like, oh, you know, I can't live up. And I just want you to know that God is not a condemning God. In fact, it says in Scripture that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Say that with me. Say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so when you feel that, that that's not God. And so I want Jesus tells a story. And this story really ticked off the religious authorities. But he tells a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, the Pharisees were at the very pinnacle of the religious spectrum. But on the very bottom of society were the tax collectors. They were hated. They extracted hard-earned money from people like you and me and, you know, and gave it to the Roman government. And so they were hated. But he tells this story. And as I said, it really ticked off the religious authorities of the day. I have it in your notes. It's Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 14. And it says this. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. They were both praying. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those, but those who humble themselves will be what? Exalted. Now, I just want to say that it's so important to really have the view that God has of you. It's not a self-abasement view. He loves you deeply. He wants you to use you, but he doesn't want you to have a view that is filled with, with pride, with self, just, just consumed with self. And so I want to encourage you in the midst of all this. And Mary and Joseph were two individuals who definitely were incredibly humble people. Now, think of this. Jesus Christ, think how he had to humble himself. He was in heaven with God. All things were created through him, and yet he was willing to come down into this sordid world, born in a stable. 
was able to give his life for us, to walk on this earth for 33 years, then hang and die on a cross. He was willing to do that. He was able to humble himself, even though it was hard on him. The second thing I want to talk about is that God wants to take the ordinary, and he wants to take it to the extraordinary. You know, God uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. In fact, God, you know, lots of times we think God's going to choose the, the religious people. God chose a carpenter, somebody in the workplace, in the marketplace, and, and this little teenager to literally bring the Savior of the world into, into this world. I want you to know God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Mary and Joseph were ordinary people. Abraham Lincoln, born in a, in a log cabin, was a very ordinary person. Mother Teresa was an incredibly ordinary person. I mean, God takes ordinary people and he does extraordinary things. You might say, well, I'm ordinary. Me too, we're ordinary. But you know what? God wants to do great things through ordinary people. And I, I want to encourage you. In fact, uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I've got scripture here, but I didn't have enough room to put it all in. But I'm going to pick it up uh, from about verse 26 of, Matthew, of uh, Luke chapter 1. Turn to Luke chapter 1. I want you to see this because it's the Christmas season. This is a great story. But the point here is that we've got to move from that super rational. You know, sometimes we're so rational it's like our analytical mind takes over it. It's the analysis that turns us into the paralysis, you know, where we're not able to move forward. We're not able to, to really be led by the Spirit, uh, and, and we just, we, we lose it. But I believe God's doing a great work in all of you, and he's, and he's working on me too over time. i got to preach this twice so that uh, I can get it. But anyway, verse 26 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, I want to explain something. You know, it's a little different. In, in the Jewish culture, people would be betrothed, or they would go through an engagement party, uh, per, uh, not a party, but they'd go through an engagement period where they would actually it was as though they were married. Now, they would live apart. Uh, they wouldn't consummate the marriage. Uh, and so they would actually live apart, but it would be a time where they would come to know each other. Their fidelity would be tested. But if, by any chance, that woman was unfaithful and became pregnant during that period, the Scripture said in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, it said that she should be brought to her father's house and she would be stoned to death. So... <laughs> What Mary's about to be told is not just something mild. It could mean her death if it's, you know, and so uh, it could be very, very serious. It could, she could be looked down upon in that society. And so anyway, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. I'm sure she was. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but ladies, you can put yourself in Elizabeth's, I mean, in, in Mary's shoes, and you can imagine what kind of a word that would be. Like, whoa, I'm going to have a child without conception. It's going to be divine conception by the Holy Spirit, and I'm somehow going to have to I'm going to have to convince my husband, Joseph, and I mean, this is going to be a very awkward situation. And then she go, then the, the angel, Gabriel, goes on to say this, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Now, here's an interesting story. Mary, I mean, Elizabeth, her, you know, who was a relative of Mary, actually, she was married to Zacharias. And when the angel, Gabriel, came and told Zacharias that Elizabeth was going to give birth, Zacharias didn't believe it. He said, there's no way. She's too old. We're barren. There's no way. It's not going to happen. And so the angel said, you know what? You will be mute. You will not be able to speak until the baby's born. And so for many months, Zacharias was unable to speak. Uh, he, he, you know, and so when you don't believe God, it'll make you dumb. Amen? And so, uh, so here's what I want to say, though. Notice is Mary's response. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Now, she could have responded in so many ways. She goes, forget it. Choose somebody else. You know, I don't want to go through this. But she says this instead. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me, about, where everything you said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now, I want you to know something. Mary was a very ordinary person, but God did an extraordinary thing through she and Joseph. And for Joseph, you can imagine when Joseph finds out during this betrothal period, during this engagement period, that his wife is pregnant, you can imagine what he's going through. And so how many know God had to send an angel to get through to him? Because if the angel doesn't get through to him, Joseph, he's going to, he could have her stoned, he could just divorce her quietly, he could just move away, and things could be really rough. And fortunately, God sends an angel. And fortunately, Mary was not operating in the rational, because the rational will say, this, is, this doesn't make any sense at all. And sometimes, God doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense. And so here's exactly what happens. I just put it here in your notes. It's Matthew 1.20. It says, uh, as he considered this, as Joseph considered this, <laughs> when he heard about that Mary was pregnant, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, I got to tell you, uh, thank God. Thank God Mary and Joseph were, were humble. Thank God that they were ordinary Thank God that they were not filled with pride. Thank God they weren't super rational. Thank God they didn't reject what the angels said. Thank God, you know, because Jesus was able to come through them in a very supernatural way. And, I, and you say, well, how does this apply to us? Well, in the same way, there's times that God wants to use us in ways that, you know, that may seem small, but it's big. He may, he may want you to just reach out to somebody who's really struggling. And you go, no, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, that feels weird. You know, uh, or he may, he may just direct you in a certain way, and it doesn't make sense to your natural mind. Maybe you say, well, I'm not gifted enough to do that. I'm just ordinary. You know what? God uses ordinary people. Thank God he does. Thank God he uses ordinary people to do the extraordinary. 
You know, in fact, it says in Scripture that he takes those that are not extraordinary, that are not wise, and he uses them because when he does, he gets the glory. You see, when you accomplish something in your own ability and power, it's easy for you to go, wow, look what I did. But when God does something that's beyond your ability, how many of you know that he gets the glory for it? Amen? And so it's so important to recognize that he wants to do more than you're really able to think or ask. And, uh, and that's what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. So now we've gone, first of all, from pride to humility. We've gone from ordinary to extraordinary. And now the third one, which is the hardest, to move from selfish to selfless. Say selfless. Now, I got to tell you, this is a tough one. This is hard because we're all selfish. I mean, we're just naturally selfish. Uh, we're born selfish. Take two little babies and give them one toy and watch them fight over that toy. I mean, we just are naturally selfish. That's just our nature. So how do we overcome this selfishness? Well, the first key in that is when Jesus Christ comes into our life, his love begins to transform us and change us from the inside. You know, there's a scripture that Jesus talks about. It's in John chapter 12, verses 24 through 25. And it says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. Now, here's the deal. We live in a planet where there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of stress, a lot of stuff going on. God put us here not to be comfortable. Some people say, well, I'll receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then everything will be perfect. I won't have any problems. You know, I want you to know that the truth is that God isn't concerned about your comfort. He's got you here to make a difference. So sometimes it's uncomfortable. And dying to self is really, really hard. You know, I'll just be really honest with you. I know, you know, in the early days of the church when it started to do well, I started to feel, wow, the church is doing great. I'm, I felt good about myself. You know, when it, wasn't, when it was going through a struggle or a dip, I'd go, oh, no, I'm not doing a good job. I'd feel bad about myself. How many know sometimes our identity can get tied to the thing we do? I think this is true for men and women both, but I think it may be even true for, for a man more than anything. When a man loses his job, sometimes it's, it's almost like, oh, I have no value. And that's just not true. But oftentimes our identity gets so locked in to what we do that, you know, we think that's it. And, and here's the thing I want to tell you. You know, we have this idea that somehow if we can just accomplish more, then we can feel better about ourselves and we just do better. And, and here's the deal, though. God is much more concerned about who we are than what we do. Otherwise, we would have been called human doings, and we are human beings, amen? And so he cares about who you are. I want you to know, when you get to heaven, do you know, let me explain this. We're saved by grace, through faith, not because of works. It's a gift to God, lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, verse 2, uh, I mean, chapter 2, verse 8. And so salvation comes solely by receiving Jesus. The only reason I'm going to heaven, the only reason you're going to heaven, is because Jesus Christ has come into my life, forgiving me for all the dumb things I've done in my life, thank God, and, and still doing sometimes. Anyway, he forgives us. 
And so we come into a new presence, and, and, he, and, and so we're going to get to heaven because of that. Now, here's the thing I want to explain. You're not, you don't get to heaven because of your works, but you are rewarded for your works. And so you're going to receive rewards for the things you've done, and not some of the things you, that you think you're so proud of, and yet you've done, look what I've done. It's for the little things lots of times. It's for the things where you've done where God has, you know, helped you to reach out and do this or do that, and where he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to these, my brethren. Jesus, those are Jesus' words. So it's, it's just being obedient to him and reaching out and making this world a better place. And so you're going to be rewarded for that, and you're actually going to get crowns. Did you know the scripture tells us you're going to receive crowns? But when you get those crowns, you know what you're going to do with those crowns when you stand before Jesus? What are you going to do with them? You're going to throw them at his feet. You're going to drop those crowns at his feet. Why? Because you realize that all the things you've accomplished are only because of him. And so those crowns are going to go before his feet because you're going to go, Jesus, you know, and you're going to lay those crowns before him because you're going to be so grateful for anything you've been able to accomplish. That you know those, you know, and so remember this. God is not going to be impressed by your accomplishments, but here's what he cares about. He cares about your person, your character, who you're becoming. You say, Pastor, I've been going through hell lately. And here's the word. When, you, when you're going through hell, keep going, amen? But here's the thing. When you are struggling, those are the times, oftentimes, where we get closest to God. I prayed with a man uh, you know, I was out in the foyer. He came up to me and said, would you pray with me about this thing? I've been struggling with this <clears throat> for about three to four months. He said, would you please pray? And, you know, I'm praying with him, and I saw, I said, you know what? This struggle you're going through is horrible, but it's brought you to a place of tremendous dependence on God, and he's doing a work on you. He goes, wow, you know, that's really true. I just never saw it that way. And so sometimes when you're going through those struggles, he's changing you from the inside out, and you're presenting your person to him. When you get to heaven... Your character is what he's much more concerned about than all your accomplishments. It's who you are, that you're becoming more like Jesus. Now, the thing I want to explain is, Paul, before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was great. He was comfortable. He, everything was just great. When he met Jesus, all of a sudden, he went through some tremendous difficulties. He went through struggles. He went through things, and he writes in, and I've got it in your notes here, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, first of all, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, when he says that I want to know Christ, in the Greek, it's the present progressive. It means I want to know him, and I want to get to know him even better. And, and what it's saying here, this isn't an intellectual knowing. This is a relational knowing. I want to become more intimate with him. I want to know him even in a deeper way. And, and then he says this, and I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Now, that, again, is dying to the self. It's not talking about I want to suffer disease. That's not talking about that. It's the suffering Jesus went through. What did he go through? Persecution. He went through people misunderstanding him. He went through betrayal. He went through those struggles. And, and Paul was saying, you know, I want to experience that resurrection power, but I'm willing to suffer the way Jesus suffered. And he did suffer. He suffered tremendously. And so here's the deal. When you're going through those struggles and everything is not working out, you know what? God is changing you from the inside out. And so it's so important to know that you're dying to yourself. Dying to the self is not fun, but it produces great fruit. It is not fun to die to the self. I mean, we all want our selfish ways. And, and I got to tell you that, that 
you know, I, I find myself, in, I see that selfishness in myself, and I really hate it about myself. And, and I just want it to go. And it's, again, that as we love Jesus, it helps to get it to go, especially when we're going through things. Now, one last thing I want to mention, too, and, uh, and that is that, <coughs> excuse me, that selfless means generous, being generous. Let me explain that again. Selfless means being generous. When I'm selfish, it's all about me. I'm hoarding everything. I'm worried about the future. Man, I'm going to make sure I got enough. I'm just keeping it to me, you know, because it's more blessed to take than to give. That's not what the scripture says, but, but that's, the way, that's the way selfishness, that's what it tells me, how to respond. So it, it's, it's a natural thing to be selfish. But I just want to tell you guys, I am so blown away by your generosity. I thank God for people, and, and I want you to see this video, because this is a video of a guy, and this could be a pastor, it happens to be a, a CEO of a company, but it could, it could be anybody. It could be a, a pastor who's just so consumed with ministry that he just doesn't even care about his family. But I want you to see this video, it's from Family Man, and then I wanna come back and finish up. MedTech shares fall any lower than 43. We're in trouble with the stock valuation, so for God's sake, please, watch what you say to your institutional customers. We still have almost a full day of trading before zero hour, and I don't want any trouble. Penny, for your thoughts, Alan. Hmm? Oh, God, I'm sorry. Jack, I was thinking about, you know, Dee and the kids, I promised I'd be home for dinner. It's Christmas Eve, Jack. What is that, tonight? <laughs> you think I like being here on Christmas Eve, Alan? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay, maybe I do have a touch of tunnel vision this holiday season, but in two days we're going to announce one of the largest mergers in U.S. corporate history. When a deal like this turns up, you get on it and you ride it till it's over. You don't ask it for a vacation. December 26th, after that, there'll be so much money floating around here, it'll be like Christmas every day. December 26th, people, if, if you'd like to celebrate that day, you all have my blessing. You're right, Jack, I'm, I'm really sorry. No, I don't want you to be sorry, Alan, I want you to be excited. I want my gift to you to be the first gift you open this year. You know why? I, because my gift comes with 10 zeros. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I'm focused, I'm there. Good man, everybody turn to page 12 in your prospectus. Anyway, as I said, it's so easy to get the wrong focus. It's not wrong to have stuff. It's just wrong for that stuff to have you. It's just wrong for your focus to be so much on you that you miss God and you miss family, you miss friends, you miss what's really important. And so I just want to say this morning, first of all, I want to thank God for those of you in this body. You guys are so generous. And because of your generosity, we've been able to do so much. Uh, many of you in the marketplace you guys are making such a difference. I mean, I am blown away because unlike Nicolas Cage, uh, who is so focused on the wrong thing, you guys are focused on the kingdom and you're using your business and you're using your, you know, the great things that are happening to extend the kingdom. That's awesome. I wish you could have seen the giving tree yesterday. We had single parents, we had you know, families that were struggling came in, many came in between 3.30 and 5.30 yesterday and received Christmas gifts that they would not have been able to have for their family. Uh, I wish you could have been here, you know, seen on Thanksgiving, the many people that received Thanksgiving dinners. You guys are all making this possible because of, of your desire to extend the kingdom. 
And so I thank God. But sometimes we just need to be reminded because it's easy to get our focus off what's really important. Remember when we stand before God, you know, he cares about who we are and it's our heart. You know, did we have a loving heart? Did we really care? Were we really motivated by his love? And that's really what it's all about. And that's what it's about this Christmas season. So I want to encourage you. I just want to say, you know, I know this time of year you're bombarded by everybody's got their hand out and they want this and they want that. And so I want to read this scripture because I believe it'll help you. Second Corinthians chapter, chapter nine, verse six through seven. It says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get what? Small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. Never give out of pressure. Never give, oh, I gotta give. In other words, because, here's why, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That word in the Greek, interestingly enough, is the word hilarious. It's where we get hilarious from in, in, in the English. And God loves a hilarious giver. In other words, he wants you to enjoy giving. It is just much more blessed to give than receive. But I want to just tell you, sometimes it's hard. I remember when the Iron Curtain came down in Russia. I was blessed to go on a team. I helped to lead worship there. Uh, and, and I was leading worship. And we would go to different towns and, and cities. And it was amazing how people would rush and just rush into the place. These halls were just packed, and, and uh, we'd be handing out Bibles. And Anyway, I remember uh, there was a guy named Moses. He was Russian, and he had this really beat-up old guitar, and he would play with us, and it wouldn't hold its tune. It was terrible. And I had this ovation guitar that I'd gone through a lot of stuff with. I mean, I, me and that guitar were really tight. And I remember uh, <laughs> the Lord said, uh, he goes, I want you to give your guitar to Moses. And I went, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I said, I am not giving this guitar. You know, because I mean, I love that guitar. And, uh, and the Lord really prompted me. And, and I got to tell you, it wasn't like, oh, good God, what a great opportunity. It wasn't like that. It was like, I don't want to give this guitar away. And finally, the Lord just, you know, he just really prompted me. And I did. I gave it to Moses. And I remember I was trying to convey to him that he just thought I was giving it to him so he could do a few licks on it. But I said, this is yours. And then when I told him, I started to cry. I later heard that that guitar went all over Russia, leading people to Christ. And, and, you know, it is more blessed to give and receive, but sometimes it's a lot harder to give than receive. I mean, just being honest. And, and so, and it's funny, I came back and I told that story. I think I was feeling a little sorry for myself. And a guy gave me his Martin D28. And then I felt a little guilty, but not that guilty. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but what I want to say is that, you know, God's a great God. And it is more blessed to give. And it's more blessed to give than receive. And we, this is the opportunity we have this time of year to really be a blessing. So I want to pray for you this morning as we close. Father, I want to thank you for each and every person here. And if you're here this morning, you say, man, you know what? Uh, I know Jesus died for my sin, but, but I, I never really invited him in. I want you to know it's so important to invite him into your life. We had a few people in the last service give their life to Christ. And it's so important to let him come in. You say, well, i got to clean up my act. No, you're not going to clean up your act. Let Jesus do that from the inside out. You're not going to do it. And so you say, man, I need Jesus. Okay, well, he gave his life for you. He's just waiting to come into your life. Maybe you say, well, pastor, I did that at one time, but I've strayed away. Well, you know what? He still loves you. He's still with you. He's not forsaken you. He's drawn you back. And so with your heads bowed, if, and I'm not going to have you stand or come forward or anything like that, but it's so important that you acknowledge that you need him today. So if that's you, I want you with heads bowed, I want you to just raise a hand. Just raise a hand up. I want to just be able to pray for you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you right there. Just kind of wave at me. God bless you right there. I see you, sir. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. 
<laughs> Just put, God bless you. I see your hand there. Okay, I'll tell you what, put your hands down. I want everybody to pray this prayer, whether you raised your hand or not. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I need you so much. Please forgive me. Thank you that you do. Now come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. I'm coming back to you. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. 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 By the way, if, if this is for the very first time that you gave your life, I just encourage you to fill out that card. We have a Bible for you. You can give it to me. I'll be in the floor. You can give it to one of the ministry teams. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to release you with a blessing. Just stand to your feet if you would. I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come. They're here to pray with you in any area of your life. I want you to put your hands out like it's Christmas because it almost is. Put your hands out to the side and say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I really need your help. Show me where pride has kept me from humility because I want to be humble. I want to be like you. Jesus, I also pray that you will take me, an ordinary person, and do the extraordinary. And God, help me when I become selfish, that I die to that selfishness, and that I'm able to love with my time, with my finances, with everything that I am, that I can make a difference in this world. Lord, please help me. Thank you that you will, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Ministry teams, if you'll come quickly, they're here to pray with you. God bless you. I love you. He loves you. And don't forget today, go Broncos, beat those Raiders.